What's going on, y'all? This is Dennis Smith Jr. checking in to let you know that you're listening to Numbers on the Board with Jeff Skin Wade and Bobby Corrales. to you live post game American Airlines Center section 109 uh, we got some some empty frozen margarita tubes I guess next to us oh those, those have margaritas in them yeah, yeah nice. that's what those, at least I think I don't know shout out to frozen margs yeah and we got some we got some empty cups we got some empty bottles we got some empty cans there was a party going on in this section and I gotta say I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't involved. Uh, I was sitting way up top in the press box tonight, but it was all—it was—it was not in vain. I got to see some good basketball tonight, Skin, as the Mavs beat the Clippers 106 to 98. I'm sure you guys probably had a, a wonderful broadcast. We did. Um, I think there were some moments in the third quarter where we were like, "Man, I think the Clippers just missed 50 consecutive shots. Shouldn't the Mavs be up by more than five right now?" But yeah. Uh, we persevered. The Mavs got down. But I like the way that this game unfolded because of all the stuff over the last two weeks. I like the fact that when the Mavericks got the lead back, Dennis was a big part of it. And then I like down the stretch, you had some clutch buckets from Luka. And then I like down the stretch, you had some clutch buckets from Harrison, who's been struggling with his shooting lately. And so here we are. And once again, Luca and Dennis and Harrison are all contributing to a nice W that was needed in the biggest of ways. It is a beautiful thing. So Harrison Barnes, 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting, I believe 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. This is all from memory. Neither of us have a box score, but we are uh, arrogant of us. We're big-time players, so we're trying to make big-time plays. Uh, Barnes made a few of them himself, although uh, probably his biggest play of the game was a pass. We'll get to that in a little bit, but... It was good for him to have a good shooting night for once. I mean, not for once. I don't mean I don't mean in a while. I love the guy. Yeah, yeah. but he's had eight really really kind of bad nasty he, performances I, in a row. I feel like it's my fault, dude. Ever since I mentioned him in the three-point shooting it's contest, been, it's been it's gone in the tank. Mixed results, yeah. And so I think Harrison probably hates me, so I'd like to apologize to the entire Barnes family <laughs> on behalf of me and my crap and what I've done, but uh, this is you know what fault. he did? You know what he did, uh, yeah. though? And Harp is all over this, and Harp is such an OG genius. But he was talking about early on, Barnes had some open shots that he could have taken, that he has been taken and missing, and he forced the issue and attacked the basket, got shots around the rim, got free throws, got easy buckets. One in particular that stands out to me is Montrez Harrell had switched off on him but didn't really close out. So he could have just shot. Instead, hey, I can get around Montrez Harrell, and he got him a two-foot shot. And then once he got that rhythm going, he started knocking down the outside shots and making plays. So good stuff, smart stuff from Harrison tonight. Yeah, and then obviously once you have a little bit of rhythm, maybe you make a few free throws, he shot four of those tonight. Um, then the next time you have an open three, you'll be a little more confident step into it. Yes. feel like if, you, if your first couple shots, and Rick has actually said this about Dwight Powell too, if your first couple shots are threes and you haven't had any chance to like create establish any type of rhythm at all, if you see your first couple rim out, 
maybe you're just going to be a little more reluctant to do anything else. You right. Know? So, like, if you start the game strong with a couple layups in the first half, he had a really nice spin move. Uh, maybe that was the play you are talking about, although I don't think that was against Harrell. I think no, that was against this, Tobias Harris. Yes. He had a really nice spin move, went to the basket for an and one. It was just a really nice play. Um, so he made a few of those. Good to see him. Hopefully that's a, that's a slump-busting game for him because the dude was a rock, especially from beyond the arc for the first probably 20, 25 games he played until this – little patch of uh of, of rough shooting stretch but his biggest play and there was a there was a few of these uh in the fourth quarter Barnes's biggest play I thought was a little iso on the right wing made a dribble move and then uh dumped off a little bounce pass to DeAndre baseline yes. for a dunk beautiful it was awesome play Barnes his his season high in assists is three he's not really moving the ball like Luca or Dennis or JJ or anybody his assist numbers are just not going to be there that's not the type of player he is but timely passes like that and he has made some more um, in wake of J.J.'s injury. He has been moving the ball a little more. Guys are just missing some shots. You know, wires are getting crossed every now and then. But uh, he's made some really good plays, and I was I was happy to see a really nice pass by him pay off. Yeah, Sed called for it on the postgame show on Fox Sports Southwest, saying, hey, he needs to be more of a playmaker because of what has happened with injuries. And he, and he did that tonight. I mean, his mentality this year has been – we got JJ, we got Dennis, we got Luca. I'm the end user. I'm going to score, and uh, but now things have changed, and he probably is going to have to adapt a little bit, and and he has been doing it. Yep. And there were some other really nice uh, sequences of passing. You had one stretch where Finney Smith had the ball in the wing. Uh, he was in the game for Luca at the time. Probably about four minutes left. Dennis cuts right down the middle of the paint. Finney Smith hits him with the pass. Dennis dumps it off to DeAndre for a dunk, and then probably the biggest play of the game was uh, Luca rebound right after he checked in, pitched it ahead to Dennis. Dennis threw a lob to DeAndre which from what seemed like half court. One dribble. DeAndre dunked it home, yeah. One that's, dribble, Luca is dribble, stuff, pass. Man. Yep. Did you, uh, were you in there for Rick after the game? I was. Rick was very ecstatic with that play. Was it, I think he was talking about that right when I walked in because that was like, I, he was unusually quick tonight. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I, he was probably excited to talk. Hey, we should say this. We're in the arena right now, and they're kind of taking stuff apart. So if you hear craziness... There's That's just, what's going on. Is there, there's a section of chairs hanging about seven feet away from us. Is yeah. that bad? Uh, I don't know. It looks secure. It Should does we look sit secure. up there on that? Have you ever been to uh, – you've been to Texas Legends games before, I'm sure. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they have uh, – if you think – Ten chairs are intimidating. You should go to Dr. Pepper Arena, although I believe it's now called Comerica Center. I oh, think is that right? Called, yeah. Shout out to uh, sponsors. Could be wrong, but you need to go there because uh, if you go to a Legends game, look at the floor, look at, and then look up. And there's a just a like a Lexus floating above the court. Probably I'm gonna about, probably I, about thirty feet off the court. I'm gonna be out there tomorrow to interview Al Whitley for Mavs Insider. Oh, nice. So I'll take a look at that. Yeah. They just leave it I, I'm curious to see what it looks like on off days, but during the game it is literally just hanging over the floor. Uh and it's it's pretty intimidating, not gonna lie. It's never fallen obviously or even really rattled during a game, but it is pretty hilarious to just look up and see oh my goodness, they are raising I mean should we move they're raising I don't know. Whatever makes it exciting. Yeah, Let's it talk is. about Dennis. Yeah, okay, so Dennis. Dennis Smith Jr. might have heard of him. Number nine pick last year. He's missed six games, played four or five before that, had missed four or five more before that. It really feels like he's been not really a part of the team for the last month or so. It was great to see him back in the floor. I love the way he played. Yeah, I really did. I really did love the way he played. But, he, I mean, we've talked about it, man, what he brings that really nobody else can replicate on this team. J.J. is – one of my favorite players ever 
and he's awesome and he's a wizard. Luca's a wizard, but neither of those guys can just go zero to sixty in the open floor and create havoc. And and Dennis, it was even it might have been their first basket of the game. Uh, he took an outlet pass and just raced up the floor and got all the way to the rim in like three seconds and then dumped it off to DeAndre for a dunk. Have you looked up the uh, Have you looked up the pace numbers lately? Well, so Rick said before the game that they were 30th in pace without him. So my okay, that's what my question was. They haven't dropped to 30th in the league. It's just in those six games they were 30th. I don't know. I could pull it up on my phone right now. I don't if know. That you would take effort. Talk for let me, talk let me, for about right, 25 I'll, seconds. I'm going to pontificate on life and Dennis. But one of the things is Rick's talking about as Bobby finds the numbers, but the pace numbers have dropped to towards the bottom part of the league, whether it's overall or just during the stretch. And it's not just Dennis being out. It's the timeliness of J.J. getting hurt and Dennis being out. And that's not what this Maverick team wants to do. Well, I will say, if I can, if I can interrupt you yeah, real quick, sorry. No, uh, you're good. Their pace numbers with J.J. on is generally lower because J.J. He's loves to run so many pick and rolls. Yeah, he's a pounder. So without – Without JJ, I'm actually surprised that their pace isn't higher. But the, but it but can't be without Dennis, JJ and yeah, Dennis. Yeah, it's going to be too boggy, McBoggy, and it's like you know, follow. I was talking about this on the broadcast. Teams are defending the pick and roll stuff. With I mean, dude, Luke is getting blitz nonstop. They're trying to get that ball out of his hands quick because if they don't get it out of his hands quick, he picks them apart. Or if it's you know with both guys on him, or if they switch, or the guy fights through the pick, he gets where he wants to go and scores. So teams are having to defend him differently, um, and uh, you know he's got to make those adjustments. But you need more playmakers, especially ones that can attack and get all the way to the rim or push it after a rebound. So they were dead last in pace without. And the whole NBA. And the whole NBA. Okay. Do you want? Okay. So guess who, we, but we, after tonight they're up to 29th. Can you guess? I want you to guess the Memphis who is Grizzlies. The no, this is going to shock you. Just the, just in the last like uh, I think it's like a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever since January 8th. Oh no! Is the Lakers dropped off that bad it's without the LeBron? Nuggets. The, what? The, the Denver Nuggets are the slowest paced team in the league. You know, uh, you know, I'm not surprised because they use a lot of the shot clock. Yeah, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. But yeah, dude, Dennis, he pushed the tempo, and a lot of it too doesn't even end up in baskets, but uh, like directly, right? Like Dennis made a couple plays where he drove the lane in transition and scored. Or where he kicked it out to someone and they scored. But sometimes it's just a matter of getting it up the floor quick and getting into your offense quick before they're set. Because that could lead to an open look with 14 seconds left on the shot clock. You know, like getting the ball up the floor quick creates easy offense sooner. Yes. Uh, you know what I was thinking about, too, and I brought it up on the pay, on the pregame show was Pace 21. Yeah. Cause and, I, and I originally, you know, you're the one that put that on my radar but it's like this idea of let's get it past midcourt in three seconds. It's going to lead to better shots. And, again, we're talking about creating pace and tempo and some of those opportunities, more possessions, et cetera. Yeah. And tonight, I guess, just off the bat, do you think that they scored better in pace 21 or 20 minus? Do you have it? I do. Uh, I think they scored better in pace 21. They actually scored slightly better in 20 minus. They were 1.08 in, in, okay. in 21 plus, which is – Still really good. If you do that, you're going to win most nights. Like the Clippers, for example, tonight, they scored 98 points. They averaged 1.05 points per possession. So 1.08 for the whole game would have actually won you the game still. So that's that's fine. 1.15 and 20 minus is actually really unusual for them. So that's that's surprising. But they were really – they executed really well too. And that's one thing that I was very um, – 
I guess, nervous about whenever your point guard misses so much time. And really, for the time that Dennis was out, they were not playing with a point guard for most of it. It was right. like Maxi out there in the starting lineup. You put Dennis in the game, and th- yeah, they fell behind 10-2, and it was pretty ugly for the first about five minutes. But after that, they really settled in. And in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, they were able to get pretty good looks in what turned out to be kind of a grind-out game for the most part. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of turnovers, and the turnovers they did have were not like the sloppy roll-your-eyes turnovers. They they didn't make many mistakes. It wasn't a lot of the open floor stuff. Yeah. You know, um, one thing that also, you know, the game is fresh, and I'd have to go back and look at things, but my memory is that the – uh, half-court defense in the back half of the fourth quarter was really good. Now, I know you're going to say, well, wait a minute. In the third quarter, they missed 100 shots. And Harp said this, and I agree with them. I thought the Clippers took a lot of bad shots, and I thought they missed a lot of opportunities. I thought down the stretch, the defense picked up and was really, really good, uh, especially off-the-ball defense. Uh, you know, there was an exchange where Wes and DeAndre were switching off-the-ball action to make sure that – the Clippers couldn't initiate what they were doing. They're over on the right side of the floor, and Lou was pounding it, and they're trying to get Tobias freed up, and him and Montrez were switching. And DeAndre and Wes were just tagging those guys and not letting them get to where they go. And then suddenly Lou's got like eight seconds on the shot clock and has to do something. The intensity was there. They picked it up. Uh, and that's really like when this team was playing well, it started on defense. You know, I mean – and especially now with J.J. out, they need to win games with defense and let defense create offense. That's really yeah. how this team's going to win. I'm glad that you said that because it's not just about getting the stop. It's about getting the rebound and then pushing it the right. other way. And DeAndre Jordan, this was probably his most like active and impactful game that he's played all season. And you know what? I'll say this. it To me, I don't have the numbers to back it up, but just going off my recollection – it struck me as far and away his best game on the second night of a back-to-back. Oh, for sure. The whole team, really. Yeah. I mean, they looked lively, and I, I, I'm just going to do the old head thing and say that they were kind of rejuvenated by seeing Dennis back on the floor. Sure. Uh, also, it helped that their game yesterday was at 1 p.m. Yes. But and this is the first second night of a back-to-back they've played at home. This is also probably the first second night of a back-to-back they've won, right? Yes. Is that? It wow, is. Wow, really? Okay. This is the first second night of a back-to-back they've won. It is the first second night of a back-to-back they've played at home, and it's the first game they've won all year long that J.J. didn't play. In. Yeah, they were previously 0-8. Correct. Dude, J.J. for sixth man of the year. My God, give that still. guy some respect. Yeah, still. still. Absolutely. No offense, Lou Williams, even yeah. though you were in the building. Yeah, uh, and Lou Williams is your hero. Yes. Non- I love, Non-Dirk division. I love Lou Williams. Man, when I get that Lou Williams documentary made, you guys are going to oh, love gonna it. it's going to be fire. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, DeAndre was great. He challenged so many shots. He ended up with multiple blocks. I don't know how many off the top of my head, but the Mavs as a team – I want to say I had like eight or nine. I mean, they were they were really contesting shots, and DeAndre had a lot to do with that. And it was no easy task for him to do that, too, whenever he's so preoccupied with Montrez Harrell, who is a beast. That, that guy, guy goes good, hard. Man. He plays so hard. So did you ever hear about the workouts he had here in Dallas? Uh, During Harrell, the draft? Like pre-draft or something? Yeah. No, what, what, when was this? When was So it? I think this was the Justin Anderson draft. Okay, 2015. Okay, got to go back and look. He, was, he initially was drafted by, by the, the Rockets, Rockets, right? Okay, yes. so that would have made sense because I think he, he was an the early. Rockets were in that range. Was he an early second round pick or a late first? He might have been late first. Yeah, um, but I know that we worked him out, and I know, you know, one of the thoughts I had heard from people that were involved in that was, you know, we don't have anybody like this guy, and he goes hard, and he raises the intensity, uh, you know, and it's funny. I'm not. 
quoting Carlisle here, but Carlisle said that stuff about Dominique Jones when they drafted him. Now he was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but but Carlisle wanted a guy that raised the intensity of things, kind of had a chew-on-nails mentality. Yep. Well, the guy that was I was talking to about his pre-draft workout with Montrezl Harrell, this is what he told me, and here we are down the road, and he's developed into this player. Yeah, dude, he is just a – Especially coming off the bench. I mean, everybody in the in the NBA plays hard, right? Mm-hmm. But not many guys want to play that hard. Right. You know, he just simply outworks you. And to his credit, in the first game they played, he was dominant, and the Clippers almost won that game. In the second game they played, he was like uh, he was like Shaq level effective. Didn't he score like eight points in the first couple minutes? Yeah, I, I think he had like game. fifteen and ten at halftime. Yeah. and a lot of that was it was one of Dirk's first games back. Right, he was matched up against Dirk, and that was tough. Yep. So tonight, as a starter, it it made it to where it was much harder to have just Dirk his second up on start. Him. Really? Yeah, so this is the first they rolled out that small ball lineup against San Antonio and won. Yeah. Tobias Harris had like thirty nine and nine. Yeah. Um but like they were so small. Yeah. And that, that's why it was big that, you know, uh Tobias Harris had to rebound and Montrez had to rebound and Gortat didn't play a bunch. So yeah. But yeah, um, it was it was big for DeAndre to be able to kind of contain Harold. I don't know what he had off the top of my head, but it was a it good did, game. It didn't feel like his uh Harold, I mean, it didn't feel like his uh impact was as Great. I guess. Other DeAndre games. was able to help limit him I a agree. little bit, and and DeAndre was really really solid on the boards. There were a few that he got where nobody else was going to get rebounds. that. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was it was uh, it was pretty convincing stuff. How do you so. feel about though that uh, you know just I mean I know people listen. I will talk more about Dennis. Talk more about Dennis. I feel really good about the direction that thing is headed. I thought if this was like. I was really nervous about how he was going to play. I was too. And if you look at, not just because, whatever, mostly because he'd missed a lot of time, and also because there's a lot of pressure on him, I'm sure, and and most of that is self-applied. and he knows it. Uh, So I did the post-game interview with him for Fox, Yep. and he said all eyes were on me. He wasn't, like, trying to be a Tupac. But he was like, <laughs> he was like, hey, all eyes are on me. He knew it. He yeah. knew what everybody was thinking, and he delivered. Yeah, and I mean, if, if he starts 0 for 5, all of a sudden everyone might panic a little bit. But right. to his credit, I mean, 6 of 17 is not great. And Doncic was, I think, 5 for 15. 17. Five oh, was it 17? Something like that. I remember that. I looked down at one point, and it was 5 for 15. It was not great. Yeah. And 0 for 8 from 3. And when, when those Doncic two, is in a shooting slump right now. He is. He is. And when those two guys combine to shoot something like 30%, <laughs> You're expecting to lose. Yeah. So good win. Those are not great numbers. I will. I'm. I'm bold enough to say that yeah. uh, 30% is not fantastic. But Dennis played really, really energetic defense. He was in, jumping in passing lanes. He was crashing the glass. Dude had eight rebounds tonight, and mm-hmm. they were mostly like I'm gonna out jump you and get those rebounds. It was not like balls are just falling into his hands willing it. Like he was going to get those boards. And uh, he ran the floor, pushed the tempo. Like he did, he did so many things right that the fact that he had an off shooting night is not even something I'm thinking about. No, I'm not either. And and I'm not worried. I'm not. I'm not ever going to be worried about you know Luca shooting or Dennis's shooting. I'm I'm worried about the caliber of the shots that they get and the team gets. That's what I'm really. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's well, that's like, the thing with JJ. Even if they miss shots, JJ is going to get you a good shot. Caliber, every good time. caliber shots, right? And so. I thought there weren't moments tonight where I was like, oh, my God, our offense is out of sync. We're getting nothing but crap shots. I mean, everyone has those possessions out of game. But in general, I liked the quality of the shots that the Mavericks were getting. Yep. And those shots are coming with Luka and Dennis running things. Yeah, and the Clippers are good defense, too. And, I Absolutely. mean, don't don't let the, their size 
that's probably the shortest. All right, we are relocated now to the uh, Mavs Player Family Lounge. Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, that was exciting, man. So uh, They almost know. swept us away. That's why we moved. So this giant row of chairs fell right by Bobby's head, and it knocked the recorder out of order. So I didn't even mean to rhyme there. I'm just good at stuff. And then we <laughs> put new batteries in there, and now we're in the Players Lounge because we avoided all the chaos of where we were. And you were talking about how small the Clippers lineup was. Yeah, so I'm going to make sure that I edit out my Yelp. Uh, that would be very embarrassing. So Dude, just go you almost ahead and got blood on me. That was go, crazy. Go ahead and edit out the Yelp and the stitches and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, Clippers size. Don't let the fact that they had, what, three point guards basically and then two guys that are 6'8". I think Tobias Harris is taller than Harrell. Mm -hmm. But do not let that uh, make you think that the Clippers are not very good defensively because if you want to talk about like the most annoying guys to play against, you're probably starting with J.J., and then after that it's Beverly, Avery Bradley. Those are two of their starters tonight, and those guys will defend – like crazy yeah uh i've always been a huge avery bradley fan probably because i'm a longhorn apologist um and uh, man uh gilgis alexander can play a little d now luca yeah, worked nice. him <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but, but then luca in the second works. half they put bradley on luca and bradley picked his pocket a couple times yeah um so anyways I, I do like uh you know what they what that team does defensively uh this is a good win um I, I think, I, I, you know, what I wonder about is, as Mav fans watch this at home, what their feelings were and emotions were as, you know, this Dennis thing has played out so publicly. And I love the stuff Rick has said in the last week. Uh, and I love Dennis's, uh, you know, willingness to come in here and, hey, man, let's let's make this thing work. Because I know he loves his teammates and I know he loves, uh, you know, playing with Luca And I love the way he played tonight. And I can envision, you know, it happens a lot. Let me just tell people it happens so often in franchises, professional sports franchises for there to be bumps in the road. And then people feel like they're not pulling in the same direction. And then everybody steps back and reassesses things goes, Hey, let's reapproach this this way. And then great things happen. It happened before the Mavericks won a championship in 2011. There were some things everybody had to step back, take a look at reassess and then plow forward in a new direction and look what happened. So, I think there's this pervasive thought that, ah, this is a big problem and this guy's to blame or this guy's to blame. No, it's not. This is the world of pro sports. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard Carlisle say, well, why would I want someone to be comfortable when he's asked a question about, hey, do you like the comfort zone this person's in or that? And his point is, is that this world of pro sports, there's a lot of give and take and push and pull and a lot of tension. And so you've got to figure, everybody's got to figure out how to work through all those things and then pull in the same direction. And I think for his first game back, I think everybody can kind of see this is a good thing. This absolutely can work. Let's make it work. Yeah, and in, in, in light of that whole thing, this may have been before we recorded last time or it might have been right after, but Rick gave an answer uh, after practice one day. Basically, someone said, you know, how do you guys keep a clear head throughout this whole thing with all this drama going on? And at the time, Rick's answer seemed sort of like, how can you say that right now given everything that's going on? But what he said was, the NBA is already like a boiling pot of water, mm -hmm. you know, so things are already bubbling up all the time and it's a little chaotic. Right. And all the, all this is is just like changing by a couple degrees. Yes. You know, you're just warming it up a little bit. You're right. you're not even doing this. So like it's not a big deal at all. In you know? general. Yeah. It's not always the same, but in general, guys on coaching staffs are all hyper competitive players are hyper competitive there's a lot of money at stake there's a lot of power now it plays out in a very public sphere on social media 
I mean, dude, these are some high leverage situations with strong personalities. Playing out in a very short period of time. Yes, alphas, almost all of them, because the guys that aren't alphas get weeded out pretty damn quick. There's a lot of push and pull and give and take. So I think that your average sports fan, because I know me, you know, what I thought growing up, and then when I started working in sports media and then working for a team and seeing things up close is like, boy, my perception has changed quite a bit. And quite honestly, I think it's a freaking miracle that any team ever pulls it together and goes and wins anything. I mean, yep. it's like there's so many dynamics. Just look at the Warriors. Dude, the thank year they you. won 73 games. Draymond almost ate Steve Kerr in the locker room. After Steve Kerr had back surgery yeah. that almost paralyzed him. And, like, they've been like, oh, this is going to be their last ride for, like, four years in a row now. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and a lot of people look at them as the pinnacle of culture. Yeah. Like, and I think they're great. They are. But they're dude, so great. And, like, dude, if this were 20 years ago, nobody would know any of that stuff. It's just that it's kind of like you said, man. I mean, and really, it's sort of like I can only imagine what it's been like for you because stuff like this – never played out publicly whenever you were growing up right but for me like when i was a kid michael jordan was doing his thing mm -hmm. right i remember watching the game where he they won their sixth straight championship and he ran off the floor had six in the air and all that stuff like that was awesome and i had no idea at the time of anything that was going on and i don't know if like you didn't know that, that he because punched was, steve kerr in the face yeah i mean i didn't know if that was just because i was a kid mm -hmm. and i wasn't paying attention i it mean was i was only seven years old yeah Those, it was the just stories not came even, out after yeah so i can only imagine what it's like for you because this is sort of like all i know you know right. i remember i mean skip and Stephen a were on tv when i was in high school so what the hell That's this insane is to this me. is all i know i was already felt like i was middle-aged when skip and Stephen a started yeah, so doing. adjusting to adjusting to this way for your generation has mm -hmm. got to be really tough for my generation, especially if you're not, I guess, lucky enough to see it up close like I am and like we are every day, then if it's all you know, it's so easy to get carried away and all this stuff because like that's just what you've been conditioned to accept that this is the way things happen. Things yeah. are chaotic all the time. They're chaotic all the time, and it's about managing all these things, and I think that's why a good front office like Donnie and Mark don't overreact to stuff. Yeah. And now, so, sometimes, hey, you can't work it out. Sometimes yeah, you can't work it out, you know. and Rondo will quit during a playoff game. Sometimes you can't work it out. And, you know, we can sit here and assess blame and point the fingers, whatever. Uh, and it's always interesting to me when I have this strong opinion about something, and then I talk to the people involved and find out, wow, they all have a completely different opinion. Maybe I should alter mine. Yeah. As someone who wasn't involved no, dude, in stick it. Stick to your take all the time. <laughs> yeah, right? Stick to your take. So I, I just I was just very encouraged that this was the first game back because I want it to be the first game back of many, many games. Yeah, and they have now. They got a day off on Wednesday. They got a practice on Thursday. And then Friday they are playing Detroit. Detroit. And then Toronto, I yeah, believe, Sunday. on Sunday, right? Yep. Yeah, Detroit so is 7-14 and 14 on the road coming in. They've struggled as of late. Yeah, especially against the West. I look at this as a must-win. Yeah, you got to do it. But this, that's a, it's a good opportunity for them to just kind of – because they didn't practice with Dennis. Right. They played yesterday. They flew they, back. They, yeah, and they hey, Dennis. Monday, fly home Monday night. Yeah, hey, Dennis, <laughs> what's up? Uh, right. You're going to play 35 minutes tonight, so I hope you're ready. Right. You know, Thursday is a kind of, tomorrow's a chance to clear clear your head whatever you know get over that stuff bring the bring the boil back down <laughs> yeah just heated water yeah um and then yeah you got you got Friday Detroit Sunday Toronto and then uh it is back on the road back on the road again and so this stretch now uh 
I, I looked at it earlier today, and I don't remember everybody that they play, but this stretch from now, basically through the end of uh, pretty keep, much the end of February. Keep jamming. I'll pull it up because uh, the great Eric Stoner that works at Fox Sports Southwest sent it to me earlier. Hey, well, you there ready? you go. Yeah, okay. Detroit Friday night. Toronto Sunday, then on the road at New York, I believe on Wednesday, and at Detroit on Thursday. I yeah. think that's what. And that then is. you go to Cleveland. Then at Cleveland on Saturday. Then come home. You get three days off in between. Then you got Charlotte home game. Then Milwaukee home game. Then Portland home game. Then you fly to Houston for the second night of a back to back. You that's come tough. home. You got Miami. Then you have the All Star break. And that is, and you you open the All Star break at home too against Denver, Denver who you've yep. played well in this building. And then the next night you have to go to Utah. That's terrible. Brutal. That's really offensive that they that the the schedule makers pulling that trick Those on us. But, jerks. Um, that is, I mean, there are tough games in there. At Houston, second night of a back to back is impossible. Playing Milwaukee is impossible. Milwaukee's really freaking good, but this is an opportunity for them. Largely, home games and road games against East teams for the next three, four weeks. This is a chance for them to show, like, are, are we going to try and do this or not? Well, I think what's going to happen, man, if they don't really – with, I mean, Toronto's tough, but all due respect, you got to respect every team. But when yep. you look at it and you go, okay, New York, Detroit twice, Cleveland, if you don't really stack some wins here, then the whole – crank up the trade deadline chatter gets very real yeah and b because it's earlier this year the, the trade deadline is february 7th yes before the all-star break right and so what what day is it now 22nd uh, you got we're two weeks you got two weeks before is? this thing i mean you are you're up against it 23rd yeah. maybe um uh, two and a half weeks yeah i mean t yeah trade deadline is uh two thursdays from now yep yeah so it is oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough it. man yeah um but yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty much your chance because right now the Mavericks are twenty-one and twenty-six. They are thirteenth in the West, mm -hmm. only ahead of Phoenix, who's pretty much out of it at this point, and Memphis, who's heading that direction. And then you're kind of grappling for uh, for a little bit of life with like Minnesota and uh, Sacramento's been losing a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the Lakers is a weird situation. Yeah, the Lakers if they keep pushing down, LeBron yeah. off, and the Clippers have now lost six of seven. I mean, yeah. kind of you have a chance. You do have a chance, but you got to go get it. Because yeah, you got to go get it. I feel like once every two podcasts we talk about the chance ahead of you, and they haven't grabbed those chances. Yeah, five losses when you've led by fifteen plus. Two of those coming recently at home Santa, against the Spurs yeah, and the Lakers. Sucked, man. And those those games. I the mean, Lakers like, game killed me, but man, Hart predicted it. Not like, hey, we're gonna lose. He's like, that Lakers game is going to be like the last game of a long road trip. He's like, something funky is going to happen in that game, and he was right. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a tough run of schedule, man. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean this is kind of it. This is kind of it. You're 21 and 26. Those five games you really should have had, so you could do the whole make yourself insane thing and say we should be 26 and 21 and like on the cusp of home court. So for as much as we've said they've struggled, for as much as you might think they've struggled, they're also like not far from being good but those losses aren't going to change in the standings so if you're trying to get to the playoffs if you're trying to play meaningful games in march which is what rick wants to do then you've got to close these next two weeks very very strong absolutely absolutely and uh i just like the way that i, I like this as the jump off point because i really do look at man okay draw another line in the sand where do you go from here if they'd come here and spit the bit on this then I think we're feeling pretty low in this podcast as uh, a depressing podcast. Yeah. I look at it now as, all right, dude, second night of a back-to-back. -back, you had this situation that the whole NBA has been talking about. 
it unfolded in a really positive way. And your best player this year, Luka Doncic, had an off night. And I still stacked the stat sheet because that's what he do. That's pretty cool. But he ripped his jersey. Did you see him rip his jersey? Yeah. He was frustrated. And he changed his shoes, too. Yeah. Dude's not hitting shots. So, uh, so this is good. I think we needed this positive podcast. Yeah. We needed this positive podcast. Yeah. Nice to see the Mavs get a win. They got a lot of home games here. Obviously, a three-game road trip coming up. But a lot of home games between now and the All-Star break. I don't know what's going to happen with the trade deadline skin. I don't think you do either. Donnie doesn't really tell us that stuff. Not anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we will see what happens. But either way, I don't know what our schedule is going to be like next week because I'll be on the road. I'll be in Atlanta. Are you going – oh, for Super Bowl? Super Bowl. So you're not going to be joining us for you need uh, to grab, Saturday you, night? Can you talk uh, – oh. oh, no, I'll be back for Cleveland. Oh, that's that's. Saturday, I'm going to meet you though. guys in Cleveland. Oh, no. Are you, are you going on that road trip? Uh, yeah. You're yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to live coverage of me and Bobby <laughs> comparing our schedules on yeah, podcast. Let me pull out my calendar. Yeah, no, I am so, flying from Atlanta to Cleveland on so Friday So you're just night. going for Radio Row, basically. Uh, yeah, Radio Row, and then I'm joining you guys in Cleveland for Mavs Saturday night. Okay, cool. And then you're going to just fly home after. Fly on back with you guys. Nice. Okay. Okay. It's going to be a crowded plane, dude. It has been, uh, it's what, been wild. On whatever. That. I'll lay down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good times. I, that's going to be a trip where you got to think of like, all right, we got to get all three. Yep. But, um. That is really the longest road stretch from here through the beginning of March. I mean, we're talking lots of home games for the next month or so. So let's that's, go get it. Yeah, it is. It is go get them time. Uh, we will be back with you at some point next week. Maybe Mark Followell will, uh, will sub in. Follow will let Follow Easy sub in for me. Okay, dude, you should get Followell and Harp. Dude, let's get every. That's that sounds great. Let me plant the seed. Yeah, yeah, and, that sounds and watch awesome. the tree grow. Yeah, that sounds, dude. New York, do the big city. The you know big, what I'm going to do? Take a bite of the Big Apple with me and follow Easy and, and uh, Harp. When I go to Atlanta, I'm going to try and go kick it with the starters. Okay. Because uh, we're staying right by that Trump, or uh, Trump, sorry, <laughs> right by uh, uh, CNN Turner Tower. Well, uh, what hotel you all at? It's the CNN, the Omni, the nice, one okay. right by yeah, CNN. Yeah, we stay, whenever we go with the team, we stay right there, too. Okay. Uh, it's like right across the highway from it. Yeah. It seems beautiful, that, that whole kind of campus So area. I'm going to go kick it with Lee Ellis and, and the boys. You're going to get on the on the air? I doubt they put me on the air. Oh, I bet you they Who would. need? I mean, we don't want that. I did make an appearance with Roe Parrish and uh, yeah. Derek Fisher and all those guys, Siku. So uh, that, uh, you know, maybe they'll they'll let me in the building, but they won't let me get in front of a camera. If they if you do get on air, will you give me a shout? Absolutely. Freaking loot. Oh, my God. Get me. All right. Come on. We got to make it happen. All Starters, right. I know you're listening. Get they skin listen. on the air. All right, thank you all. Uh, Skin, thanks for sticking after the game. You're the hardest working guy in sports. Thank you for sticking around and jumping on this pod. I'm excited to uh, do this. I always look forward to this. And uh, let me tease. We got uh, Mavs Insider coming up on Friday. Tomorrow I'm going to go interview Al Whitley. Awesome. At, in Frisco. Awesome. So uh, He's basically in charge of Legends Mavs relations at this point. He's the main Making liaison. Making Costas, Spalding, And if you stuff. don't know, he's the dude that grew up with Steve Nash. Uh, so you've probably seen Al a million times. I got a really funny picture of me and Al on championship night hugging the uh, Lario together. Oh, and Lil Wayne in the background. Lil Wayne. It was, it's great. Awesome. Love awesome. me some Al Whitley. Greatness. Love me some Al. Dude, love me some you. Love you, me some You Al as well, Bob Corella. Numbers on the boards. We will be back with you next week. See ya.